Hello, welcome to Busy Minds Podcast, where we explore ideas, discuss the human experience, talk practical lessons, and make amazing discoveries. Join us again for this episode. Sit back, listen, and enjoy this topic. So yeah, welcome to today's podcast. Let's explore a very, very interesting topic. So there's a reason why I keep I keep saying it over and over again that articulate people are appreciated because they know how to say the things we think of, the things we feel, the things that are impressed upon us that we cannot exactly find the perfect words to say them. And there are concepts, there are conditions in life where you see something in the process when you see something happening and you don't know how to describe it so let me use the color blue now the color blue has always been in existence maybe you saw the blue skies you saw the blue seas and you wanted to describe to your friend i saw this thing but i don't know the word and so someone comes and tells you this is blue so you run home to your friend and say yes the sky is blue and the seas are blue that is why it is important for you to be articulate so that you can um, find as many words as possible in your diction, in your mind, to be able to express yourself. So I'm urging you from the very beginning that you should read more, learn more, know more, so that you can become more articulate in expressing yourself, in expressing uh, the things you feel and in understanding the world about you. So today is a lesson in human nature and good hearts law so i have written about good hearts law on my newsletter and good hearts law uh, is something you can find anywhere just google good hearts law wikipedia anywhere bloomberg you will find it so um, good hearts law was coined from the speech of an economist i think yes uh charles goodhart he was giving a speech and he said that any observed statistical regularity will tend to collapse once pressure is placed upon it for control purposes. So those were Charles Goodhart's original words. But a British anthropologist, Marilyn Strathen, was able to simplify it as when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. So we now know Goodhart's law to be that when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. I come again, Goodhart's law says that when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. And that's the simple good hearts law now you would ask okay what is my business with good hearts law what is my business with this what is my business with that in fact why am i listening to busy minds podcast at all now follow me if you have listened to any of my podcasts or you have read my newsletter you or you've googled of course like i said i always pick my stuff from google you would have found out about unintended consequences when you plan to do something and then there are some consequences of your plan that you don't you were not aware of as at the time you were planning it so good heart's law is a variant of unintended consequences and so let's look at a few stories 
at a time in India, they, I think they had this, they had, well, I call it a cobra pandemic. So cobras were abundant everywhere. They, they were excessive cobras. People were meeting cobras in their beds, in their wardrobes. So there were cobras everywhere. Cobras were dominating India. And so the British who ruled India decided to come up with a plan. Okay, so we, they said we want to reduce the population of the snakes. The snakes are competing with us in human land. So please, let's take out the snakes. You get what I'm saying? And they decided to pay bounty hunters. Well, they're not exactly bounty hunters, but let's say hunters to kill snakes. So they said the more snakes or the more cobras you kill, the more you get paid. Very, very beautiful plan. Put an incentive. You see, if you kill a cobra, you get this amount. Hence, if you kill two cobras, you get double the amount. And if you kill 10 cobras, you get 10 times the amount of killing one cobra. So that was a perfect plan in the sight and in the mind of the British people, British rulers in the land. And so the Indians thought, wow, that's great. You mean for every cobra I kill, I get paid? Simple, beautiful. Guess what the Indian people began to do? They started rearing and breeding cobras with the intention to kill them. So they knew that if they raised cobras and killed them, come on, that's money. The British people were not checking or the British people did not task them or did not not task them not to rear or breed cobras. They only tasked them with killing and bringing cobras you get so the indians thought of a way around it and said we will raise more or rear or breed more cobras and then when these cobras are old we'll kill them and pay and get paid for it beautiful that's excellent and that is our first classic example of good heart's law so the measure was a cobra but then the indians turned the measure into a target and so it ceased to be a good measure now i just want you to pay attention to the stories i'll go through three stories and i'll tell you how good heart's law applies to you once it gets into your score you are never going to forget how good good heart's law applies to you so now the second instance was the soviet planners so the soviet planners ordered factories to increase the number of nails they produced so for a factory producing nails the people at the top said, okay, um, increase the number of nails you produce as we know we want numbers. And the managers reacted by producing millions of tiny useless nails. Now, the planners did not give them a specification that the nails should be this size or not. They just said, okay, produce 10,000 nails. And so the managers went ahead and produced 10,000 small, tiny useless nails. Whether you like it or not, they met their target. They met their target of producing a high number of nails. But those nails were useless. And then the planners changed their mind. Okay, no, we will no longer use number of nails. We will use weight. The number, I mean, the weight of the nails you produce must be, let's say, 100 kgs. And so the managers went ahead and produced long, giant nails, which weighed heavily we're also useless welcome to good heart's law <clears throat> now before we go to the third story this is the first thing you should know about good heart's law that um, when you give people a metric 
especially an obvious metric which is intended to um, produce a certain result, people can game it. That is, they can... Now, this is always a hard part to explain. They can manipulate it to get the result, but at the detriment of everything else. So while they are achieving the result, everything else suffers. While you get your number of nails, but you get your number of useless nails, while you see more dead cobras, you just find out that there are still more cobras and you're like, where are these cobras coming from? And like I say, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson in human nature because wherever you go, whatever you do, it is something we always find human beings doing. So if there is a law, the law is written, uh, let's say in the constitution and it is you know, set, it is fixed. And yet we have lawyers who are able to find a loophole or another. They already know what is written and what is clear and what cannot be changed. But they know how to find their way around it in such a way that they are not violating any legal principle. But they are violating, let's say, moral ethics. And maybe it's one of the reasons um, people do hate lawyers, especially um, uh, defense attorneys who defend people who are accused of a crime. So a lawyer who is going to defend a murderer must find a way to game the law, must find a way to, must find some other metric. It's a lesson in human nature because we human beings will always eventually find a way around it. So uh, you, you best understand Goodhart's law in the sense that while we are able to produce quantitatively, we, could, we are sacrificing a qualitative effort for the quantity. And going back to how Charles Goodhart said it, he said, any observed statistical regularity will tend to collapse once pressure is placed upon it for control purposes. So it means that once you see something in motion and you are trying to say optimize, and you're trying to make the best of it, it is very, very extremely possible, especially when that thing is the focus, that we lose some quality effort just because we want to produce a quantitative result. Now, to the last story. Now, the, uh, I, I, I am reading this story from Towards Data Science, and it says, in order to increase revenue, the manager of a customer service call center starts a new policy. It says to his people that rather than being paid an hourly wage that's on the hour, every employee is compensated solely based on the number of calls they make. So he no longer wants to pay his employees by how many hours they worked. He's going to pay them by how many calls they make. So the measure of how productive, in quote, uh, he's going to marry his employees is the number of calls they make. And after the first week, the experiment was a resounding success because the call center started processing twice the number of calls per day. So everybody started doubling their efforts, doubling their calls. And the manager never bothered to listen to his employees' conversations as long as their numbers were good. He was pleased. So in the sense that he just realized that the number of calls were going up. He did not bother to find out what they were saying, what the conversations were about. He didn't 
mind that they could be talking to their aunts, to their family members, could be gossiping. All he knew was that they were on the call and the number of calls were um, rising. So one day he, the boss stops by and okay, the boss is a female and she, she went to the floor, she does so and she then listens to an employee on the phone. The employee picks up the phone, issues a series of one-word answers, and slams the phone down without waiting for a goodbye. So the employees were rude. The employees were uh, discourteous. The employees were unruly. In fact, they were fading at being you know, the warmly customer service that they were made to be. They were asked, but that was because they were trying to optimize for number of calls. Come on, everybody wants their pay to go up. And now they have the metric with which to control it. So when you realize that my wages is in my hands, if only I make twice the number of calls, it doesn't matter what I'm saying on the call or how bad or good the call was. As long as I get my number of calls up, then my salary goes up. And you just see that the unintended consequence is that the company could have lost customers because they saw that, you know, the customer service was really, really poor. So without intending to, by judging performance only by the volume of calls, the manager has incentivized employees to value speed over courtesy. So you want double number of calls? Beautiful. What are we sacrificing for? Speed, we are sacrificing courtesy. But I, I, I believe that courtesy is the most important quality for a customer service to have. Unfortunately, the manager fell for Goodhart's law. So once again, Goodhart's law is expressed simply as when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. In other words, when we set one specific goal, people will tend to optimize for that objective regardless of the consequences. Now let's go to school. Let's go to school and let's look at how it applies to you. I already used three stories of the British and the Indians and the Cobras, the Soviet planners, the managers and nails, and the customer service, the manager, and the number of calls. So uh, in English classes in school, essay writing exercises were aimed at making or are originally aimed at making students competent and expressive in fluent language and grammar. So if you did not know why you had to write uh, compositions, letters, essays, the reason is because you are supposed to get good and competent uh, at, and, and get expressive in fluent language and grammar. So your aim or the aim of essay writing, of learning proper essay writing, is competence, coherence, and expression. But there, there, there happened to be a part of the requirement that derailed the aim and gave us a whole new target, and that was word count. So... Um, in English classes, I remember then, my exams were always write a letter, write a story, not less than 500 words, not less than 450 words. And so to a lot of us, we just wanted to uh, meet our word count and get out. So most of us did meet our word count and we submitted our essays, our stories, our letters, but at the expense of what? We did not eventually get to be competent or expressive or fluent in language and grammar. We were not articulate, 
were not coherent, were not logical. We sacrificed a lot of things just because we wanted to meet the word count. With the essay writing exercises, the target was to become expressive writers, but when given a word count obligation for, for, to fulfill, the initial target fades and the measure becomes the target. So I write every day. I write every day, but I do not restrict myself to a specific word count. Sometimes it might be a thousand words, some days a hundred words is enough. And Goodhart's law, having understood Goodhart's law, that's why I adopted this uh, measure. So a lot of writing advice online will tell you to write this certain number of words every day, write this certain number of words every day. It's beautiful if especially you are still learning to churn out stuff. But as you begin to focus on quality, you will know or you will know that you don't have to write every day and you don't have to stick to a particular uh, rate of word count. So uh, now from the point, from the viewpoint of the students who wanted to meet our word count and we feel to be expressive. And yeah, the teachers feel for it as well. They didn't mind if we were expressive as well. They were more concerned with us meeting the word count. So we hit our word count and we bolted. That is how good, good heart slow works. So if you prescribe a measure for a target, human beings in our nice nature will find how to game the metric so that we produce the given metric most times at the expense of doing a good job. People have the tendency to game the metrics of measurement. And when I mean people, I'm not talking about abstract people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. And this, we can still see this in how we, how schools grade their students. So if you are in an academic institution where you have the imperative or you are given the imperative to publish, I think they call it publish or perish. I read another area in which we see the detrimental effects of Goodhart's law is in the academic world where there is an emphasis on publishing as indicated by the phrase publish or perish. So in academia, you stand, you either publish or you perish. How could this go wrong? Now, that, that, that's, that is the way to measure. When you want to, when you are thinking up a new metric, you should think about how could this go wrong? How could we achieve our result and yet things could go so, so badly? That is how to think, and that is why you should be exposed to this kind of mental models and concepts. Now, publishing is often dependent on achieving a positive result in a study, which leads to the technique known as p-hacking, where researchers manipulate or subset experiment, experimental results to achieve significant statistical significance. That means people manipulate their results so that they manipulate their experiments and results so that they can get a positive result in their study and then publish with it. That means you don't know how many publications right now are going with false data. You don't know how many publications right now are out there with false results because of Goodhart's law. They tell you it is positive, but that is because they have manipulated the metric to hit a certain incentive. Now, uh, as students as well, you, when we go to school, you are supposed to learn, not just memorize, you're supposed to learn how things work. By learning how things work, you are expected to be intimate with the intricate details 
know the ins and outs, uh, the operating mechanisms, and then you have exams and you have grades. Anyone who is wise, anyone who is intelligent, anyone who has um, some, who does some extra form of thinking apart from what you are fed, knows that grades are not sufficient measurements for intelligence. Grades are good measurements for memorization. How able, how well you are able to store information in your head, and not just the ability, and not the ability to process it, or the or to get the utility out of what you've learned. So both memorizing rather than learning are unintended consequences that arise when a single number is used to gauge success. So that is about that for a lesson in human nature, Goodhart's law. Go again that Goodhart's law was, or we coined Goodhart's law from a speech Charles Goodhart made at a conference in Sydney, Australia. Charles Goodhart said, any observed statistical regularity will tend to collapse once pressure is placed upon it for control purposes. And it was the British anthropologist Marilyn Stratham that made it simple as when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Thank you once again for listening to Busy Minds Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this topic and I hope it is I hope it becomes ingrained into your mind where you can look where you can look at the world uh, using or would I say observing, processing, measuring the metric, the incentives, and making the best of all situations. Know this people will try to manipulate you, people will try to manipulate the results. You must keep your meter you must keep your antenna sharp and sensitive to spot where to spot when things are going wrong even when you're achieving a positive result so there are a lot of false positives anything that comes out after good heart's law has operated is a false positive beware of unintended consequences they can jam up and damage your beautiful plan your beautiful work I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you once again.